Thundercast. Welcome to the Thundercast. This is Bryant Hankins. I have Kevin Hack here with me. Good evening. And Molly Hankins will be telling us all about BirthFit. Hi, guys. And, and we're going to find out whether or not we should be doing Kegels and yes. why guys should care about any of this. I think Kegels is, that's how you end up having twins, right, Kevin? Uh, I've never done one, but I have had twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do Kegels. That's good. No, never? I wouldn't say never. Rarely. Okay. Should we just get right into the Kegels? Open yeah, up? I, just, think, I yeah. think. You've opened a can of worms, so okay. let's just go with it. Can of Kegels? Um, so many women know how to contract the muscles in their pelvic floor, which is what a Kegel is. Mm-hmm. Um, what we find is that a lot of women don't know how to relax the muscles in their pelvic floor. Um, a hypertonic pelvic floor, um, where the muscles are contracted or even spasming, is actually a pretty common pelvic floor disorder. Okay, can I stop yes. for just a second? I, I don't know if this is a dumb question, but okay. I don't know where the pelvic floor even is. Is this oh, like Oh, awesome, a, yeah. You know. So, um, <laughs> to keep it as simple as possible, it's the muscles that create a sling um, in your hips between your sacrum and um, the front of your pelvis. Okay. It's a sling of muscles. And it's, uh, it's important to worry about your pelvic floor for women that are giving birth, or this is a thing that's important for men too, or what? Well, here is a big surprise for you guys. Men have a pelvic floor too. Mm. Oh, that was one of our big questions. That makes sense. That yeah. was. We'll check yeah. that one out. Can you tell by looking at someone <laughs> if they're doing Kegels? No. <laughs> All right, good. That's a good thing, huh? So what's the, so if women should not be doing Kegels, how come that's the only thing we've ever heard about regarding this question? What should they be doing? A lot of great questions. So like many things, there are fads. And I think Kegels are a kind of a fad. Um, Somebody heard about it somewhere. Maybe it's a good exercise for one certain person, but then a lot of people jumped on a bandwagon and it became a fad. Here's the cool thing about your pelvic floor. It's actually part of your core. So your core encompasses everything from your diaphragm, sort of the bottom of your rib cage, all the way down to your pelvic floor, and all the muscles that go around 360 between those two. So your pelvic floor is actually a really important part of um, your core, and a really important part of keeping your spine safe um, if you like to, you know, deadlift and squat like we do just as important for men as for women so the in the whole like because i've heard different people say this in different ways like you're you want to be pushing out for your core right Correct. So like when you're about to do something it's like you think of like there's a belt on and you're like and that's sort of why you have a belt in the first place for like the big lifts right it's just to like as a hint is that the idea that you're kind of pushing out yeah I think some people think like oh i gotta like suck my gut in you know right sucking in is not helpful at all it turns off about half of the muscles in your core so you want to think 360 expansion out that's not as good for instagram though (laughs) no no in instagram you know you want to what look like a vacuum or something yeah 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 (laughs) so okay we always hear about ladies um you know sprinkling their linens a bit when they do double on that's one way to say it yeah so he's kevin he's very delicate delicate yeah yeah this so is, this not is a family podcast. So yeah, it's a family podcast, <laughs> which we need a swear drive by the way. 
I'm going to ruin it at some point. Um, so that's not a Kegel thing. What, what is that? Why? So it's actually a pelvic floor dysfunction. And um, pelvic floor dysfunction is core dysfunction. Okay, so um, when your core is working well, the diaphragm um, creates pressure. Um, the pelvic floor responds. So those two go together, pelvic floor and diaphragm. Um, and sometimes the diaphragm can be pushing down so hard and um, maybe the pelvic floor is not responding back. So that is one of the ways that um, peeing or when you cough, sneeze, do double unders Wow, you just came happen. out and said it. Yeah, I, sorry, Kevin. No, that's okay. I'm yeah. not offended. <laughs> so <laughs> it, can be, it can be that a person is activating one muscle in their core too much. It could be that the pelvic floor is weak. Um, there, there are a couple reasons why it could be happening, not just one reason. Okay. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Do you have dry dubs? I do. Yeah. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. Me too. Dry dubs. He means oh, oh, double not, not Put it yet. together, oh. Brian. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, the, I think the last thing to kind of hit on a little bit is I know you just did like a pelvic floor workshop. Yeah. Um, what did that actually consist of? And, and Yeah. So we, we talked through um, a lot of the stuff we've already said, which is thinking of um, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor as being related. Um, the new kind of thinking about the core, thinking of it as a canister. Um, so you want to create 360 pressure out, just like you would, f uh, like the pressure that's in a, um, a can of soda or something. The pressure's created all the way around, um, which makes it a strong surface. That's kind of what we want to do with the core. Um, so we talked about that. Uh, we also talked about the idea that uh, the pelvic floor can actually be overly tight, so hypertonic which is a pelvic floor dysfunction. And it can actually, if it's overly tight, it can pull your sacrum forward and create low back pain. So that's one of the reasons why Kegels are not always the answer to pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. Do you think that's the cause of some of the posterior pelvic tilt? Yes. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Actually. Let's see, that's weird. I have anterior pelvic tilt. That's the other way, right? Yeah. Yeah, from just sitting at a desk all the time. Yeah. So we talked about those things, and then I had the women... Um, work on birth fit's functional progression, um, which is kind of like dead bugs. It's the birth fit version of dead bugs, uh, creating intra-abdominal pressure, keeping the spine neutral, um, and being able to move your limbs through space without moving your spine. Okay. And yeah. this, this whole workshop is all kind of happening under the umbrella of birth fit. So yes. Do you want to like give us kind of the, the standard what is birth fit so we kind of have that as a sure. framework? Um, so birth fit has four pillars. Um, fitness, chiropractic, nutrition, and mindset. Those are the four pillars. Okay. She's a chiropractor, right? She and is. Lindsay Matthews is the CEO? The of CEO Birth of BirthFit. Yeah. That's right. Is BirthFit CrossFit? BirthFit is not CrossFit. It is not. Great question. Okay. Not CrossFit, not related to CrossFit, except that some of us happen to do CrossFit. I am now against it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Kevin only does things that are related to CrossFit. That's right. <laughs> only does. That's right. So... Think of BirthFit as something more sports-specific than CrossFit. So CrossFit's general preparedness for everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to, I don't know, do a powerlifting meet, you're going to be specifically training for powerlifting. If you're going to run the fastest 5K of your life, there's specific things that you're going to do to train to run fast in that 5K. Um, and it's going to be a little different than what CrossFit is. Okay. BirthFit so is sports-specific to birth. If we have a member... 
who becomes with child. Yes. Do you want them doing the CrossFit programming? Do you want them doing just BirthFit programming as, or is BirthFit supplemental or other way around? Um, so it can be any of those things. And BirthFit is for a lot of people who don't even do CrossFit. So um, if someone is here at our gym and they become pregnant, they're going to keep doing a lot of the CrossFit workouts. Um, one of the things we're really going to encourage is a mindset shift, though. That's one of the pillars is mindset. Uh, mindset shift is getting away from this idea of RX, 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 um, or I have to do a certain weight, or I have to do muscle-ups, or whatever it is. And our mindset is shifting to what is going to make me the most prepared for birth? What's going to make me strong for birth? What's going to make sure I'm not injured? Um, and thinking specifically about getting prepared for birth. So a lot of the CrossFit workouts are fine. Some things we're going to kind of sub in and out depending on how appropriate they are depending on where somebody is in their pregnancy or how they're feeling. As you've described childbirth as an athletic event, and I, having witnessed it, I would definitely agree with that. Here's a question. Right now, yeah. if you had to do one or the other, would you rather deliver a child or run a marathon? And you start Ooh. in five minutes. Wow, Ooh. that's a tough one. And you don't get to keep the child. Oh, okay, well... <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. If I don't get to keep the child, I'll choose the marathon. How about that? So which one is just more exhausting? Um, I'm going to say birth. There's a few reasons why. One is it's an unknown time domain. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So um, a marathon, we know what the distance is. You kind of know how fast you're going to go. I mean, maybe you go faster, maybe you go slightly slower. But generally speaking, you have a, an idea. You've specifically gone out and run these miles, so you have a very good idea of what it feels like. You know what you're in for. And birth can be short. It can be fast. It can be long. It can be intense. Um, and, you know, the different portions of birth, like the, um, the early part of birth or when you get into transition or pushing, all of that, we don't know the time domains of that. So it's, it's a little more, you have to go with the flow. It's, it's out of your control. Well, and like the first, Wes's birth was like 33 hours. I'm pretty sure you haven't run a 33-hour marathon. I have not. That's the <laughs> only 33-hour marathon that I've done. How would you know, Brian? Oh, burn. Well, I, hey, I was there for part of it, so I get partial credit. Yeah, for those who don't know, he missed the actual birth. Yes, but in my defense... I got kicked out of the place by a nurse, so it's not like I, you know, just left. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you look, part of the reason that I love I wasn't fit, ready for yeah. that 33-hour athletic event. That's what I learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have been doing birth fit or yeah. something. They know salt bikes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then, not as ubiquitous. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I love birth fit is because there are a lot of things I didn't have when I gave birth and a lot of things that I didn't have, you know, through each one of the births and we were not prepared for that i yeah. mean there were a lot of things scenarios we hadn't thought through i knew i didn't want a medicated labor but we hadn't thought through you know what does this birth look like we hadn't planned for you to have food to eat that yeah. was part of the reason you got sick you gotta yeah. stay it's it's like running the marathon you gotta keep eating those gels and stay keep your sugars and yeah i was crashing it's terrible i think it was hard for molly too but <laughs> <laughs> Well, if I could have an epidural, I would choose the marathon. <laughs> really? If I could have an epidural. Oh, for the marathon? Yeah. See, so he, that's an interesting um, analogy. It's funny that you say that, because if you had an epidural, you couldn't run a marathon. 
right? You couldn't feel your legs. Your legs wouldn't move. The mu- so part of well, they'd the move. I just wouldn't feel. <laughs> part of the the feedback of your muscles that they give you, whether pain or discomfort or the fact that they're working, um, serves you well for a marathon, even though it hurts. And it's the same with birth. Like some describe it as painful. Some would say it's just hard work. I mean, there's different ways to describe it, but in either way, the way that your muscles are feeling is important feedback. Do you need to get into a different position? Um, you know, being able to feel when it's time to push that type of thing. And epidurals can be very helpful. There's a time for them. Um, some women love them, but it's just something to keep in mind that your muscles are working and it's an athletic event. And if you can't feel your muscles, it takes away from your ability to know how to help yourself. You're not getting feedback. Did you go no epidural three times? Uh, well, with this birth we're talking about, the 33-hour birth, I got an epidural at 28 hours. Right. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a long story. But, um, it vacuums was, were involved. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> It was not. It was not my ideal birth, and it took me a while to get over it. Yeah. Um, so, with the other two, were no epidural, no pain reliever. Wow. Yeah. I, I made up my mind. I didn't. I didn't want that epidural again. It just was not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about diastasis recti? Did I say that right? Yes. Yeah. Diastasis. Yeah. I wouldn't even. You don't look I like wouldn't I have even attempted right. to say it. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What percentage of women do you think end up with that? Postpartum. Uh, well, the numbers are about 99 to 100% of women have it immediately postpartum. Before we explore this further, if a dude gets really, really fat and then he loses a bunch of weight, can he have diastasis recti? Yes. Why don't we describe what it is for ah, that's a really good diastasis percent of people who dominance. don't know? Yes. Okay. So um, it's the mu- a separation in the muscles of your abdomen. Right down in the, the front. Right down the so center. You can Linea visual- alba. You can yeah. visually see it. Yeah, or you no? can't. Where you can see it is sometimes if someone's doing a crunch, you can see kind of a, a coning, so to speak. You can see um, a strip at the top. It, um, once you've seen it, you'll always recognize and it. And it's but. a natural thing as part of it, or it's a bad thing when it happens. Um, Ninety-nine to one hundred percent of women have it during right after they have a baby, so it's normal. We we can do things that exacerbate it and make it worse, or we can do things that help heal it so it's normal for women in pregnancy um for a guy or even for a girl who gets it um not pregnancy related um that would not be normal but it does happen and i've seen guys with a diastasis and then are there ways to correct it is that so um yes there are ways to heal it and there are ways to make sure that you don't exacerbate it so some of the recommendations for birth fit about working out um, during pregnancy are to avoid movements that can exacerbate that, make it worse. Um, some of those movements might be kipping, um, crunches, GHDs. Anything with extreme flexion. Anything with extreme flexion or focus on that rectus abdominis, yeah. If a woman has had this for 10 years mm-hmm. and they've never done anything about it, mm-hmm. are they past help? No, they are not past help. Um, we would always suggest that a woman start with birth fits, functional progression. Um, she can also go see um, a women's physical therapist, a woman's, excuse me, a physical therapist who focuses on women's health. Um, you know, the pelvic floor and the core are related. So a lot of times if there's dysfunction in with the diastasis, there may also be pelvic floor dysfunction. So long story short, 
um, there are things that they can do about it. There may be some women that need to um, get surgery or have some other further um, further help. Uh, but whatever dysfunction is there in the core that created the diastasis is still going to be there if you have surgery. You have to correct the di- you have to correct the dysfunction. Either way. All right. Any good stories from the uh, seminar this weekend? Uh, was this the same kind of seminar that you had hosted here, but it was just in Austin, or was this like a different? <clears throat> like it was different. So the one that we hosted here was a BirthFit coach seminar, and that seminar was specifically focused on coaches who want to um, bring BirthFit's principles to their athletes. Okay. Um, and this was that I went to last weekend, the BirthFit Summit. And this was all the regional directors from across the country coming together to learn more, um, you know, learn about the latest research. There were some things that they gave us that were sort of um, helping us to self-care since we're, t- we're taking care of people all day long, how we take care of ourselves as well. But um, we had a woman come in who helped us with a plan if a woman loses a baby. So we have a plan of how to help her resources to get to that mom and how to help her through that crisis um we had a woman come in and talk about postpartum depression um, postpartum anxiety and how you can notice that and different things that we can do to help um we had the owner and founder of the core 360 belt come in and talk about that um it's basically a little tool that you can use to make sure that you're getting that 360 expansion um, in your core that you're creating intra-abdominal pressure. Really cool stuff. Hmm. Here's a stupid question. Does inter, this is going to sound stupid, but I'm seriously curious. Does yeah. intra-abdominal pressure squeeze the baby? Like if you That's brace really hard, question. are you smashing your bun in the oven? Yeah, there's going to be some pressure, but they're going to be used to feeling pressure because there are uterine contractions all throughout pregnancy. But they're completely in liquid, right? Yes, Correct. So, yeah, I mean, they'll maybe feel the the amniotic fluid move, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's safe, Kevin. What? You can do your 360 extension without hurting the baby. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about my burrito, right? <laughs> um, if a pregnant woman has never worked out ever, do you have her work out? Yes. Or are you just hanging out on the floor mm-hmm. doing? No. Um. We So we believe in birth fit that working out is very important for pregnant women because birth is an athletic event. We want women to be strong, and um, we want them to practice um, all the different energy systems from endurance to, you know, fast twitch muscle fibers, all of that, because you use all of those in labor. Um, all of the research points to better outcomes in birth when women are strong. So a woman who's never worked out before, I'm not going to send her out to run a mile, mm. for sure. We're going to start slow. We're going to work on creating a cr- strong core and, you know, start with light to no weights and gradually build. It'll be gra- very gradual, but definitely important that she works out. Have you helped any men with diastasis? I have not helped any men with diastasis. I know a man who has it, um, and I told him that I had resources to help him, and he wasn't interested so we just brian you should really open yourself up to this. <laughs> do you want to see it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you um, had that tattoo yeah. <laughs> one question i've kind of been wondering we're dancing around a little bit is 
what exactly happens in a birth fit class? So, you know, we've talked about kind of, you know, different pelvic floor exercises and all that. I mean, so I assume it's women only, first of all. So a woman signs up. What exactly is she going to be doing in a birth fit class? Um, so like Lamaze, do we like go there and like breathe <laughs> with her and stuff? That's kind of how I picture it. So there's different types of birth fit classes. There's a birth fit prenatal series, which is prenatal education. So we're going through what a lot of the options are, women thinking through what their um, their goal is for labor. Something bigger than just, in my first birth, it was like, I don't want medication. Something bigger than that. How do you want it to feel? Who do you want there? Like the, you know, the overarching themes of how you want your labor to be. Um, that's the prenatal series. There's not too much um, movement in that except for learning the functional progression. Um, there is a postpartum series, and that one is a mom who's had a baby. She's gotten the green light to work out from her doctor, and she's taking a very slow entrance back into the world of working out. So that's going to be um, breathing, connecting with her breath, functional progression, and we start working out. We squat. We, we move some barbells. We start moving some barbells, I should say. All things being equal, do you think a woman could crank out a child faster if she was fitter? Um, well, the studies do seem to show that labor is shorter really? for women who are fitter. Yes. I think that's like reason enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing here is the state of birth in the United States is not great. I mean, we kind of like to think we feel very safe because we're in the United States. So we have these great hospitals. But our mortality rate for both mothers and babies is um, one of the highest in the industrialized world. We don't have great rates here. So the way that we're doing it, the common way that we do birth here in the United States is not the best way. So we need to change some things. I did not know that. What yeah, do you think, what's, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I, th I mean, we are the best in everything. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> well, there's this assumption in, in our culture that um, sort of, medicated, lots of intervention is always best. Um, like if, let's say, a woman is going to go past her due date, it's always best that we intervene. There's kind of this idea that if we take control, like we know better, or when I say we, I sort of mean the doctors. Yeah. I've noticed um, they do not like letting women go very yeah. late. And you said something that I thought was interesting. You said, um, what is it? Focus on this is your birth month, not yes. your due date, due month. Something oh, that's like yes, that. Yes, a yeah. due month. And more yeah. of like it's a window of time versus yeah. a specific. Right. It's much more eloquent. I don't know if you remember exactly yeah. what it yeah, was. Yeah, I think that's a, instead of thinking of a due date, think of it as a due month. Yeah. It could be two weeks either way um, for, for women that don't want to get interventions. So. Hmm. Yeah, because there is that tendency, I think, where it's like, oh, it's a little past the due date, and everybody starts freaking out. And, I mean, it, we're, we're picking on that one case, but there's a lot of things in the world of birth where people in our country have this assumption that if you get doctors involved and start doing interventions, it is safer. But our statistics don't prove that. Do we have, like, way more C-sections? Oh, yeah. Is do. that by choice? Um, is, that, is that the choice of... It, it doesn't that like culturally vary by by time periods like i like there's certain times when i don't know the 50s or so, like where, when it was more popular or less popular and you're dealing with like trends too like do they, there my, are my some friends trends. did it so i'm doing it kind of thing there are some trends um what we see is it varies by what part of the country you're in mm -hmm. what city and what hospital so that's a question that we would encourage moms to ask um 
their provider or their hospital, what is your C-section rate? If you go to a hospital that has a high C-section rate, um, you know, it, w- it might be, it might not be the best place for you personally to give birth if your goal is to be unmedicated because you know that they're going to make decisions that lead more towards a C-section. It's what they're good at. Um, so. Right, and it's a lot of like, it depends on who you, not only the hospital you hitched your wagon to, but who, like doctor or it's like, you know, oh, I, it's, it's sort of like you go in and a surgeon wants to cut and, you know, internal medicine wants to diagnose. And, right. And a midwife is going to be more toward, let's try to avoid intervention, right? So it's kind of like, Who's on your team and right. who are you working with? So there are a lot of great ways to do birth. And you asked the question about choice, which I think is a great question. So I think a lot of women don't act, don't have as much of a choice, right? So maybe um, the birth went the way it was because of who their provider was. Um, I'm sure that there are women who choose, who literally straight up choose a C-section. And that's if that's their choice and they made it based on seeing the risks and benefits in their instance, awesome, more power to them. I just think more women need to know the risks and benefits for their personal situation and be given the tools to have the kind of birth that they want. Any other big misconceptions about birth or birth fit that you think are worth pointing out that people don't realize? Another way to ask the question is if you could put any any short phrase on a billboard to get a message out, what would that phrase be? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. I will tell you one of the things that I'm loving about BirthFit right now. I'm in another phase of life. My kids, my youngest kid is 12. I have an 18-year-old, so I'm not in the giving birth phase of life. Um, but they do have this focus of mindset, um, and it's something I really need to work on, which is calming my mind, deregulating, you know, meditation, getting connected to my breath. Um, so that's one thing I think we don't do enough everybody's so upregulated. we're like driving we're pissed mm-hmm. off in the car we're checking our facebook checking our facebook all the time we're chronically Are stressed y- out yelling at her husbands <laughs> oh wait <laughs> oh wait that never happens <laughs> so uh, that won't fit yeah. on the billboard so what's no. your billboard yeah. oh billboard um, say chill the f- out yeah <laughs> that's a good one um i guess maybe if there was a billboard i would like it to say something like sisterhood you know i think women um coming together and supporting each other um and the dudes are very supportive too we have two of the best supportive dudes right here right now in this in this room in this room yeah yeah but um birth fit is definitely that focus on sisterhoods women supporting each other giving each other advice support unconditional acceptance so yeah women need to be bros Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. Is there a phrase for that? You got bros, but is there a I, l- I always like to say it's 2018. Chicks can be bros now, too. Oh, I like that. That's, I like that. That would be that. on my billboard. That's your billboard? I like, <laughs> that. like that. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I haven't seen you, like, angry in a while, so I brought in this article to read to you. Oh, oh no. Man. This is this is actually, like, one of those, like, setup interviews <laughs> where... Yeah, so you're about to see steam coming out yeah, of my ears? He's gonna con- I hope so. He's going to okay. confront you with something. Oh, <laughs> boy. Okay, here we go. All right, so this article is called... This was in the Huffington Post, by the way. This is called... Very why, legitimate news source. Why CrossFit during pregnancy is selfish. So, wow. not sure which way this is going to go. Interesting. <laughs> All right, so let's see. This is by Carrie Lynn Ford. So, 
Opinion is always varied about the intensity allowed during various points of pregnancy, but lately the hot topic of conversation revolves around the ever-controversial CrossFit. Personally, I do not condone CrossFit while pregnant. Pregnant or not, CrossFit is notorious for extremely high-intensity workouts and has also gained a reputation for yielding a high number of injuries. People may be pushing themselves way past their limits, engaging in improper form, or simply trying to lift too much weight, Molly. Oh, no. Lift weights. Heaven forbid. So, here's the only remotely scientific-sounding thing in the thing. So, do you know what relaxin is? Yes. I'm sure you do. Yes. What is relaxin? That's like instead Real of ch- quick. if you're not chilling, you're relaxing? <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That is not what it is. It's a hormone that's produced during pregnancy that the ligaments um, aren't as tight, I guess you might say. Okay. So, pregnant women who are... This is from the article. Pregnant women who are prone to looser ligaments as a result of a hormone release that prepares your body for birth. This can lead to a bit of clumsiness, which is not very safe during a 50-pound clean and jerk. A 50-pound clean and jerk? That's how you know this Carrie Lynn Ford. A 50-pound clean and jerk? That's like when you're really pushing it. Okay. Yeah. You mad yet? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's too stupid to be mad. If she's saying a 50-pound clean and jerk is heavy, it's just, I'm not even... Well, everybody yeah. has different weights they work with and work through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe that's body weight. Maybe she's like a pygmy. It could be. All right. Blood pressure changes. Some women experience higher or lower blood pressure. This can be a fact... Oh, this can factor in for anything that involves jumping and or up and down movements like burpees, for example. So burpees aren't my favorite during pregnancy. Well, you do the uh, the modified. There's a modification. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes we even have people do something called a functional progression flow to get up off the floor. I mean, if the purpose of a burpee is to get off the floor. So it's, yeah. you've talked about the functional progression a couple of times. Is there an easy way to describe what it is? Or is it so like visual? It's kind of hard. To- it's very visual. Um, I will say this. If you have a baby in your house that's around four to six months that's learning how to roll over and crawl they do the functional progression every time when they roll over and go into all fours okay so why is it good for the mom to do the functional progression so babies are born with a diastasis all babies have a diastasis and it heals within around around four months basically they heal their diastasis themselves in the process of learning how to crawl Hmm. so we we Hmm. mimic that who knew when we do the functional is that why they get the umbilical hernias have you seen one of those on a child? It is terrifying. I have not seen one. It yeah. sounds terrifying. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Sticking out. Some people say Ouch. like tape a quarter on it, but I'm not going to tip my kid. It cost me enough money. <laughs> Back to this article. This, yes. I mean, I was hoping you'd be more pissed off. Well, I mean, here's <laughs> the thing. Here's what pisses me off is the idea that pregnancy is a fragile state. Yeah. It's actually the ultimate expression of female strength is bringing a new life into the world and um not only is it ridiculous that women shouldn't work out or that it's selfish to work out it's actually harmful because it's even ACOG the American College of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology Mm. which they can be a little late in some of their recommendations but even they are recommending that women should work out during pregnancy yeah, you still see a lot of the trying to get pregnant women as sedentary as possible. Right. Yeah. And we know that that leads to not gr- not as great of outcomes. Yeah. As we ran into yeah. a lady somewhere where um, she was talking about how pregnant women should be very sedentary. And she was saying, you're not doing nothing. You're gestating. <laughs> as a way to like justify. Interesting. Just totally chilling. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, in, in my world, I want pregnant women to be strong. Now, I will say the downside of CrossFit can be where we get into that mindset piece where women are just wanting to be able to click the RX button or they want to go as hard as possible or as much weight yeah, as possible. Yeah. And that can be a downfall. So you sort of have to scale smartly is what you're getting at. And it's not just scaling. Like everybody hates the word scaling. Nobody likes that. But this idea is it's sport specific. What specifically are you doing to make sure that you are the strongest, healthiest version of you to give birth to this baby? And that may mean that there are certain things you don't do. Like, you know, if a person's in season for their sport, if you're a, I don't know, an Olympic runner, you may choose not to go skiing during the time that you're getting ready for your race. You don't want to get injured skiing because you got to do your race. Same with birth. We may choose not to do certain things, but it's because we have this higher purpose. Well, I won't keep going with the article, but I just wanted to say, just paraphrase this last part. Uh-oh. Uh, is it going to She make brings me up mad? burpees again. I think she thinks that all we do is burpees and 50-pound <laughs> cleaning jerks. But she says not to do burpees because you might slip and <laughs> slipping and slamming into the ground stomach first is up there on my list of nightmares right now. Quote from there. Interesting. So don't yeah. work out because you could fall just flat. Just flat you know, on right your belly. On yep. Yeah, you're going to yep. slip in the sweat maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like she doesn't know too much about CrossFit. I think she's a spin coach. I hope she hears this. And actually, yeah, speaking of which, um, I am concerned about women who just do chronic cardio all the time during pregnancy. I would like to get them also lifting weights. Yeah. So spinning, spinning, spinning is not great for. uh, What about someone who's like, you know, is a long distance runner? I know one thing I've heard you kind of say is you, you sort of can maintain what you've been doing to some extent. Sure. So if someone's worked up to a lot of miles, I mean, is it okay for them to be running a ton of miles still? With yeah, as long as it feels good. I, we What we tend to see is that women get to a point where it's not comfortable anymore. Sure. But there are those women that feel comfortable the whole time, and they keep running throughout their pregnancy. If they feel comfortable, and they're not having, um, I don't know, you know, pubic symphysis pain or um, incontinence, those type of things, if they're if they're feeling great and everything's good, go for it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like husbands need to be more on board with this because I don't know if it's just a cultural thing, but I know when Katie was pregnant, I tried to prevent her from doing anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't let her carry the groceries in the house. <laughs> and then like yeah. she'd walk up the stairs and I would like, you know, hold the kangaroo pouch <laughs> on the way up. That's cute. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Super cute. Yeah, I think there's kind of like a balance because you're like, oh, you know, want to help out as much as possible. And then you worry that they're fragile. But like, kinda oh, like yeah, you were saying there's. There's all these benefits of continuing to work out and making it a priority. And so, did you guys do a Lamaze class? No, we did not do a Lamaze. We did Bradley. Yeah, right? yeah, it's we did a Bradley birth class. It's been a while. This is yeah. this is Would you recommend years it? Ago. Um, well, I loved the Bradley method. I loved it um, in terms of learning about what childbirth is, so that you're not afraid. It was great from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, the missing piece for me was it was so focused on sort of no medication that there were other pieces of the big picture that we probably didn't missed. Think, didn't it's think like think everything else where that's their vision of the whole thing, and and you're kind of everyone's there and bonded to that specific vision, so you hear that part very well, but you maybe don't hear some of the other parts. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. I they mean, had it their was philosophy, great. and so that's what they talked about. Yeah. 
I mean, it was helpful. We took things away from it that worked well for us. But the missing the missing piece for me was kind of like the birth mission. Like what what was our we didn't have like an idea of the bigger picture beyond no medication. Right. So. Did you do a Lamaze class? No, we didn't do anything. Uh-huh. We, we didn't just do anything. Left like, it up to fate. You're like it's natural. We'll just go for it. Yeah. I didn't know anything. Well, they said when she was um what's the first thing? She said, oh, she said when she was dilated. I booked it out of the room. I got a huge coffee, slammed it. I took a shower. I was ready to go. I was like, "All right, like let's let's do it's this. Time. Let's ride." Yeah. yeah. They're like, "Oh no, no, no." <laughs> well, that is. <laughs> it might be, another, be a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be the next day. Right. That is one thing that Molly talks about. I've heard you talk about. It's like a lot of times people jump to get in the hospital like too soon. Sometimes where they something's happening, I gotta go. Right. And it's like it could still take time. And well, yeah, I could talk about this for a long time, but <laughs> most I don't want to open a can of worms right <laughs> at the end. <laughs> most but. mammals give birth go into labor overnight and they go into a dark place where they're alone and they feel safe and what we do to women is they start to go into labor and we yank them out of their house we drive them at you know 100 miles an hour to the hospital where the lights are bright it's cold it's sterile and it's the opposite of feeling safe so just from a purely biological standpoint we're taking away sort of a I don't know that that feeling of safety that allows women to give birth. It's hard to give birth when all the lights are in your face and you know, right? Everybody's up in your business. I feel like this is like a new business idea for a hospital that's kind of like a dark hole that like you, yeah, the know. cave. The cave. Call the hospital the, the cave. Ca- the birth cave. Should we get on this, Kevin? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I could I could get down with that. There'd be some <laughs> entertainment for the fellows. <laughs> like hey, yeah. And be like FYI, labor or. When it, what's the thing when they start dilating and it's like 10 hours? 10 hours. Oh. Yeah, is that the, that's the labor part? Labor, right? yeah. Active labor, is that what you mean? The part where you're just waiting for the door to open up. Uh, dilation. And yeah, that. Yeah. what's that whole thing called? I'm not sure what word you're going for here. So there's like... It's okay, so it's not ready to start pushing and everything. Right. You're just waiting. We call it just active labor, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So once you're ready, there, after active labor comes transition. Mm. transitions from about seven centimeters to nine or ten and that's where it gets really intense and a lot of women um will say i don't think i can do this anymore it gets very intense but it's always a sign that you're about to have the baby so it goes active labor transition pushing baby well all right my memory of it is very hazy. It yeah. is funny how it, yeah, it becomes, I guess that's like nature's way of having you do it again where you sort of forget the whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a little longer for us. Yeah. but Definitely appreciate the athletic event, though, because the whole time I was straight CrossFit coach. Yeah. Because, I mean, man, it looked exhausting. Yeah, it is exhausting. Um, here's one cool thing that I've seen recently uh, with C-sections is that they're encouraging them to be more family friendly where they will deliver the baby and let the mom have the baby skin to skin as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, if it's an uncomplicated birth. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. A little more family friendly in, in some aspects. All right. Anything else? Anything we miss? Anything juicy happen in Austin? Uh, well, the temperature was over 100 degrees every day. Hmm. Sounds like my nightmare. Uh, Austin was one of the best cities I've ever been to, except for the heat. In every other aspect, I could live there. They had trails. It was a cool downtown. Beautiful hills. 
nice culture, good music, good food, everything except the heat. It was no Oswego, though, right? I mean, it was no Oswego. Well, they say Oswego is the Austin it's of the, the Austin, Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely say that. They say that. And it's mainly because Thunderbolt is here. I think that's the yeah, main yeah, reason the that big people yeah, say that. that that's, I think we're on TripAdvisor now, right? Oh, definitely. Thinking about doing a Groupon anytime, or is that just over? That's how you got me. That is how we got you. Is that why you got uh, rid of it? That is not why we got <laughs> yes, rid of it. We said um, cancel the Groupon. <laughs> it's kind of bringing in some riffraff. Yeah. <laughs> the Groupon was instituted before I came on board here. So it was like oh. before my time. And um, Groupons, sorry to anybody who loves them, but they're, they're terrible in terms of business. So... Um, it was one of the first things I did to get rid of that. Except Kevin. That's the one. This that is the, is the one, one shining point. I think we have a couple. And any other members that would have joined with Groupon. We love them. <laughs> I <laughs> think we much. have a couple <laughs> people that's, that came in on Groupon and stayed. Some of the original yeah. people. Um, but, I mean, generally speaking, it's you get half of whatever price you put on it. And especially here, then the first they month. They keep half? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first month is the most intensive where you're putting in a lot of time to like train people and get them to get acclimated to the CrossFit and coaching. And then, you know, they were happy with the whatever, I don't know, 50 bucks that they spent. And then they don't want to do the next month. And you only got 25 bucks. Dang. So you got so, me for 25 bucks. Something like that. Bargain. Bargain. Of the century. <laughs> it was right, a pretty so good bargain. That's paid off handsomely. Yeah. All right. So Groupon sucks. Carrie Lynn Ford sucks. We don't have sponsors, so we can say whatever yeah, we want. We, <laughs> we can say what we want on this podcast. Yeah. And we have two great dads here. Thank you. That's true. Thank at you. this very first Thundercast. Yep. Yeah. With faces for radio. It's true. <laughs> Anything else? Or we kind of hit it all? I think that's good for the uh, pirate yeah. episode. Yeah. Pilot, pirate. The, the pilot. Pilot. The pirate pilot episode. It could be a pirate it, episode. It's only going to get better from here. We could take over other podcasts and be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> pirate I like podcast. it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to shut it down. Uh, join us next week. We're going to talk to Scott McTurner, ultra marathoner. What else? He runs. Running he runs. For some reason.